What you are about to hear is a fun and educational show about financial issues. Join Dan Wendell and his co-host, Tony, as they explore topics related to retirement planning. No matter how close you are to retirement, it's time to listen to another episode of Dolphin Financial Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another Dolphin Financial Radio show. I'm Dan Wendell, owner of the Dolphin Financial Group, and we have a special guest today. I know a lot of you have been watching this show and you want to hear from Tony Shore, but he's not in today. He's on a Thanksgiving coma break. Um, today, we're going to be talking about a very interesting topic. It's a legal topic. It's, it's what I call enhanced financial planning. And the question is ownership. You know, a lot of people have problems. They have a lot of problems with passing assets on to the next generation, uh, family disputes arise from this, and it all can be handled through something very basic about ownership. And to help me talk about that, I'm going to bring in an expert in this topic. Steve Nino, he's a non-practicing attorney. He's been doing this for longer than I've been in the industry, 28 years in the financial services industry, specifically helping cases, financial planners, and people with their legal issues surrounding financial assets, charitable giving, business assets, estate planning, all the things that put a lot of people on edge because they can be confusing and scary. But everybody that I deal with, all my clients have questions about this. So it's not just something for the rich. It's for people that really um, have assets and have family that they want to leave it to. They need to know these things. And so we're going to keep it basic today, but let's bring in Steve Steve, there you are. Welcome to the show. Thank Thanks you for Dan. coming on. Um, I appreciate you coming in. And I was I was um, teasing that you're an expert in this. Some people don't like to be called an expert. All I will say is you have expertise in it and a lot of that. Um, well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. You know, I do have a lot of track. I'd have a track record in working in this and you can call it expert expertise if you want, I, I, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have seen, felt, not only my family, but others and my client's family disputes. People get torn apart by even seemingly small amounts of money and assets just due to a lack of planning. I'm assuming over the course of your career, you've seen this as well. I have, Dan. And quite frankly, ownership is such an important uh, element that's often overlooked in the financial planning or the estate planning process, whether you're coming in for a simple meeting how are your, um, you know, the things you own, the things you cherish, how are they titled? And I, I can just give you a simple example. I, I grew up in southwestern Minnesota. We bought a cabin early in the 70s, way up north in northern Minnesota and on a lake. It was real pretty and pristine. And I just had a blast swimming, skiing, fishing in northern Minnesota. Dad and mom you know, life was beautiful. All of a sudden in the 90s, mom passes away. Dad remarries. Dad doesn't really do anything about the ownership on this cabin. Dad just is living his life. And guess what? Dad suddenly passes away. And you can fill in the blanks. The uh, cabin ends up in another family's name. And it just creates a little bit of um, issue with the heirs, you know, and we're always trying to, in our planning, estate planning, create harmony amongst the beneficiaries and amongst the heirs. And so that is kind of just a simple example, nothing extravagant, nothing affluent about that. It was just a nice little cabin, but it didn't end up really where we thought it would go. 
And I think there's a lot of people who fall into that. Yeah, you're right. Um, it, you know, the cabin described isn't the multi-million dollar cabin, but it means a lot to you. And there may be some assets that people have that are a huge part of their family that you're right. Just not thinking ahead. And, and maybe your dad was avoiding it for whatever reason. What I see is if you don't come up with the right plans, then someone else is going to come up with the plans for you. And that would be the state in your case, the state of Minnesota. I'm assuming that that cabin went to probate. Is that. Yeah. And and generally when there's a surviving spouse with all adult kids, it's just going to go to the surviving spouse, you know, but it may not have been what your dad had intended. Right. So um, we've done shows in the past. I'll put them up here for the viewers. You can watch them. Um, We've talked about the importance of um, having documentation, uh, wills, what the difference between will and trust is, that sort of thing. But um, we also talked about probate. And just for a quick, for those of you that are new to the concept, probate's not something you really want to have happen. Um, And when you don't have a plan, and you don't owner if you don't title things properly, as we're going to discuss, you might wind up in probate. And probate, I'm going to let Steve talk about this, but I three things that we don't like, why we don't like probate. It's costly, it's lengthy, and it's public. Steve, can you give him a quick 20 seconds of what probate is and why you don't really want to be involved with probate? Certainly. Probate is a process. It's to prove, to prove something is going to go where it should go. It it ends up being a court-administered process. And usually, to your point about cost, it has to entail an attorney or somebody you're paying to help with that probate process. It's, pro, it's public information. You can go down and see your neighbors, uh, how they pass their well, you know, when they, if they passed away, how things pass through the probate process. So it's a process of proving how assets should be distributed. And it's done by third-party people, court and and actually probably not exactly what the family would want to have uh, in terms of their transfer method. And one of the simplest ways to avoid probate is to make sure that your assets are titled properly and that you own them properly. So we're going to talk about ownership in, in order to avoid probate. Now, probate is not the end of the world, but if you can avoid it, I think most people would say they'd rather avoid it. So the question is, how are you how are things owned? It's a very basic question. And I, and I'm, I want the listeners to realize that it may seem basic, but this, when I first learned this stuff, it was eye opening to say the least, because it kind of looked, I looked at my own assets and how I own them. And I thought, wow, that's, I don't even own them the correct way, the way I would want, because the, it comes out to this, what happens to your stuff when you die? What happens to your stuff when you die? Will your Will your assets go through probate or not? And so I think it's important for you to understand the ownership. And Steve, there are three types of property. I've learned this from you. You've talked about this before. I'll eventually put up a chart here, but there's three types of property, probate, contract, and joint with rights of survivorship. Can you, um, can you explain, um, is there, is that it? Is this the only, is there only three ways you can actually own property or is there more than these? You know, these are, for all intents and purposes, the buckets, the three buckets. Probate has really three types uh, of 
well, ways that things can end up in the probate process. Those are individually owned assets, things that you just buy and you never really think about titling it or anything. You just own it outright. Then there's uh, personal assets, personal things like maybe you have a China collection or maybe you own some guns, things like that, that you want to keep in the family. You probably haven't thought about transferring those, uh, those are two. And then there's some people who think they've done the right thing and made a joint uh, tenants in common or something like that, used one of their other titled names that you can kind of sneak up on them and all of a sudden they realize it's ending up in probate. So there's there's those uh, unforeseen consequences when you think you've done the right thing by setting up as joint or something and you haven't gone far enough to make it joint with rights of survivorship, um, that can be a problem and end up in the probate process. Yeah. So something in a person's name might be a car or a home yeah. and and this is probate property. But what if I have a will that says my home goes to my two children split equally? Doesn't that avoid probate because I've specifically said what I want to have happen? Why do we have to bring in the courts? It's a really good question, Dan. And it's one that I think people don't understand. So thank you for bringing that up. The will actually does go to the probate process. A will is set up for the probate process. The will goes to the court. The court then proves the elements of the will, basically who it goes to and where it goes and so forth. And that is uh, the public information I talked about earlier in the probate process. You can get a copy of people's wills and things like that. So no, uh, a will, you know, if you have a house, Dan, and you just say, I, le- I want to leave this to my kids or I want to leave it to my wife through the will, that's it. And you own it individually, that'll go through the probate process. And the same with, I'm assuming, personal property, like you mentioned, I got jewelry. My, you know, my mom had jewelry. She wanted me to have this or my my wife to have that, but not my other brother or my sister-in-law. Um, so she wrote it down and said, this is what I want. She signed it. She even had it notarized. That That's no good. That's, that's still got to go through probate. Correct. That means a lawyer, a team of lawyers, the state of Florida or whoever, wherever you live has to appoint someone to to read that will and say yes or no. Right. Exactly. The okay. Probate is the proving process and that's what the court will do. Yeah. And it takes time, takes money and it can cause angst for the family. And same with business owners. So I have a business and let's say I have a business partner. We're 50, 50. I pass away. We have a buy sell agreement. We have, um, you know, we're both on the company assets, uh, all the, all the details of the business are split 50-50. And if I die, that goes to probate, even though we have actually, tenants in common? No, actually that buy-sell agreement that you created, and this is a really strong planning point for business owners, Dan, is if you have a contractual arrangement, let's say you and I go in business together and I, you know, if something happens to me, we have it written up in a contract that says, uh, if Steve goes, all of the business goes to Dan and Dan will pay uh, Steve's spouse for the for the value of that business. And likewise, if you go, that's a classic buy-sell agreement between business owners. And the beauty of that is it does not go through the probate process. That is because it's in a contractual arrangement, it's outside the probate process. But if I didn't have that contract saying this is what it's going to be worth and how we'll value and so on, um, if I died, my wife would have a claim to that? 
asset, that business, and my business partner would be stuck with her as a business partner? That's exactly probably how it would play out. Yeah. You know, your wife would step in and then, then you'd have to ask yourself, is that the way you wanted it to be? And let's, let's, I'm, I'm staying on this as examples because this is what happens. So uh, I have, I am, I'm 75 years old and I'm having failing health. I live with one daughter and my other daughter is in a different state. I leave the house to them 50, 50 in my will. Um, but I want my daughter that's living with me to, to not be kicked out. Um, is if I, if I just have the, in the will, that's going to go through probate, even though my daughter's living in the house. Yeah. If you have, if the 75 year old has the house owned in their own name and that's it, it will go through the probate process. But, and then ultimately it will end up the way they wanted it to. I mean, one daughter could live in it and the other one would maybe get, uh, I think you have to look at the equity that's involved there is if one person's going to inherit a house and live in it basically, but the other one's not using it, then, then we have to do some equitable, you know, uh, inheritance planning. So when let's, I, I, let's talk about this house thing because it's a big one. So most people have the house in their name or their, them and their spouse. So let's say uh, on the the deed, I have myself and my wife and on the mortgage, it's myself and my wife. So if I pass away, my wife gets that not through probate, right? Right. Because that's, that's owned jointly. Yes. With rights of survivorship. But if I just had it in my name, say my car isn't just in my name and I pass away, does my wife get it automatically or does that go through probate? And it needs some proving and it probably would go through the probate process. It Amazing. Would. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I think the classic example, um, Dan, is when one spouse has passed away and you have a surviving spouse, let's say surviving spouses in their sixties and sadly they lost their spouse earlier in time and they have, they've, they're sitting there with all these things that have got passed on to them and now they're in their name only. So that's the time. That's the kind of planning is for widows, uh, people who have, uh, you know, inherited or been left behind and they have the ownership on some of the assets that whether it's a house or a bank account or what is it, you have to take a look at those because let's not waste time and let's just put a notification or excuse me, an ownership arrangement on it that will keep, uh, people keep it out of the probate process. It's, I, it's, it's kind of crazy to think like all the things you own, do you even know how they're titled? That's so moving on to the second type. So there's three types of property. We said probate contract and joint with rights of survivorship. So let's talk about contract property. This is something built in beneficiary. Um, yeah. So like an IRA, I have an IRA beneficiary designation. So that is a contract property. Yes, exactly. So think of any of those products like life insurance has a beneficiary listed on the contract. Annuities oftentimes have a beneficiary. You can even your investment accounts. If you work with the brokerage account, you can fill out a beneficiary form that spells out, hey, if something happens to me, my stocks, my bonds, my mutual funds, they're going to go to these people and keep it in the contractual, keep it out of that probate process because it has a beneficiary, a built-in beneficiary on it. The one planning point on this though, Dan, that's absolutely 
a good one for you and for the people you work with is um, a lot of times life changes us. You know, we, we marry, we divorce, somebody passes away and you have these accounts, IRAs, life insurance, annuities. And what if you forgot to change the beneficiary on one of these accounts? Would that just automatically go to the person you're currently with or to the people you want it to? Right. No, right. you're right. I've yeah. seen it where ex-spouses are still listed as beneficiaries, that, not maliciously. They just forgot. Yeah, exactly. That's usually an eye-opening conversation when the, the new spouse sees that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Wow. Yeah, yeah that's it. So, so how about something like a bank account with a transfer on death? Is that considered a contractual property? Yeah, you've got typically for banks payable on death to mm -hmm. a spouse. And then for those mutual funds and stocks transfer on death, TOD is what we say oftentimes mm -hmm. for the abbreviation and POD on bank. So, yeah, you've got arrangements that you can have ownership arrangements that pass it on to the surviving spouse. Mm -hmm. And a let's just use a bank account for now. A bank account could theoretically be a probate property or a contract property simply by the de de uh, a designated beneficiary. So when you open a bank account, you don't necessarily have to list the beneficiary. Sometimes you may not open an account with the beneficiary. No, the primarily most accounts are opened between married couples. They each are on the account, but it begs the question, what kind of an ownership is that? I mean, you you know, if if I pass away today, is it automatically going to pass? Although a bank account that we have together, is that automatically going to pass? Most likely it would, but why leave it to chance? Check the ownership on that. Make sure in the state you live in, that type of ownership is one which will avoid the probate process. It's a, a contractual arrangement. Absolutely. Okay. Um, last of the types of property is joint with rights of survivorship. And yeah. um, what, what, what does that mean? And what's that, how is that different than just regular joint? Yeah. With regular, so what joint with rights of survivorship is, is what it says is basically if uh, you set up something with your wife and you are 50, 50 joint with rights of survivorship, each of you, if one of you goes, the other half automatically goes to the surviving spouse and it does not have to get tripped up in that probate process. So joint with rights of survivorship is, is crystal clear language that uh, the two people owning this are sharing it equally. And the one, if one goes, the other one is going to in, inherit it and uh, the other half. And that is a, um, the reason why it's listed as an ownership arrangement is because there's variations on that that uh, may not be doing what you think. Joint with ten, you know, tenants in common, joint, just straight joint might not be the clearest. Um, you want to have that specific language on the accounts and that will uh, set them up. And that can be on a a bank account, it can be on a house, a cabin, a, a boat, um, you know, you, you name it, you can use that. To can it be it. joint with rights of survivorship on a non-spouse? Yeah, you can. Um, some states, though, and, uh, and that is a state by state, uh, will not allow it for non-spouse people. Generally, mm -hmm. we see this with spouses 
um, joint with rights of survivorship, but you could set it up. Just check with your state on the rules about that. Okay. So let's say, say, let's use a common example. We're going to have a second marriage. Okay. Mm -hmm. This is where it can get tricky because you might have a new spouse and you're, you're titled joint with rights of survivorship on your new spouse and it's the house. Mm -hmm. And then you'd pass away and the, your kids don't like their new mom. Right. Mm -hmm. And they say, no, that, that house is supposed to go to us, not you and your kids. Um, is that something that they could fight if, if you title it joint with rights of survivorship on your new spouse? Well, after it's over and done and the dust settles, no, you won't. That would pass automatically to that new spouse. So that's why they were having this conversation, Dan. That's why be proactive on this. Take a look at your ownership arrangements. If you do have a blended family, how are you taking care of those kids from a previous marriage? What's What's going on with your current assets? Are you sure you're leaving something to your kids or is everything going to your new spouse, you know? Yeah, and you brought up a real good point. And I'm bringing up the chart for those that are watching on YouTube. They can look at the chart we just went through. You brought up a good point, which is once you lose your spouse and you're a widow or widower, now you have to revisit those ownership structures and titles because the spouse isn't there anymore and you need to make sure you're doing what you want to have happen, especially if you want to avoid probate. Um, exactly and you could do right. that simply by retitling and making sure you have be designated beneficiaries. But uh, you know, that this chart kind of shows you some examples. And as you could see on there, some things can fall in, in either category, either type or in, in any of the three types of, of property, they could, go between them just based on titling, which it's such a basic concept, Steve. I just don't understand um, how uh, I could have gone through most of my life without not understanding these. No one talks about it. Um, I bring it up with clients and, and it's kind of a, oh, I didn't know. I just assumed the will would cover that. Or I assumed because I have a will, I don't have to deal with all this nonsense. I think it's quite the opposite. I think if you have ownership set right off the bat correctly, then you can avoid the nonsense. It's not the reverse. Dan, it really makes me, I, I, not to get too excited here, but I'm thrilled <laughs> to see that you are passionate about this because you obviously work with a lot of clients and you can sit down with them at their financial planning meetings and just delicately bring up this topic of ownership. Sometimes it's kind of a, you know, it's 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 an estate planning discussion. It's who's getting what and how do you have things owned right now? Is that matching how you want them to pass? So I love it, Dan, and I think that uh, you'll find you'll help a lot of people. Yeah, I, I agree. I think this is the basics, and a lot of people can understand naming somebody and how that helps. But there are certain assets they just don't know how to name or or what to do. And I think in future shows. We're going to have to cover those and get into more nitty gritty on, well, what do I do about the, the car or the jewelry or what, do we, what is a trust and how does that play into this? And I think that's going to be a good future show. But just to wrap this one up, um, the big question is, does what you own align with what you want it to be? In the case, like your dad, Steve, he owned the cabin with your mom that passed away. When your mom passed away, what did he want to have happen? And what really happened? 
two different things can re- really happen depending on whether or not things are done correctly. And just understanding how things are owned and who they're titled to and how it's going to pass when you die saves a lot of headache. And this is, you know, it's one of those things. People don't like to talk about death because this is it's a morbid topic. But we're really talking about what happens to your assets when you pass. And I think it's a good conversation for children to have with their parents. It's delicate. right? I'm, I'm sure you don't want to bring that up at the Thanksgiving dinner table, but it could be, hey, you know, I heard that this is I heard about ownership. And by the way, um, you know, do you have a will? Do you have do you have ideas for how you want this to pass? And if so. Are they titled properly? I think it's a reasonable question that people should be having that they just simply don't. Yep. Yep. And Dan, I've, you know, the, the, my boss is a, is a brilliant guy and I love the way he kind of describes this whole process. You, you get to play the game once, right? This life we have, you, you've, it's once and you're done. How are you going to know if you've won? I mean, if you find out that if you're, you're not going to know, really, people right. are though, your family is, and there's either going to be harmony or there's not. And that's kind of the way in terms of estate planning, you know, you play a game this one time and see if you make it right by leaving a harmonious situation with your loved ones. That's right. And it's not just about having huge amounts of assets. You read about all the big, the big names of people that pass away with, uh, without a will or without titling things and people are claiming it can happen in any family, little things, little details that were left unspoken or unaddressed can lead to, as you say, some disharmony. <laughs> so thanks Steve for joining us. Listeners stay tuned. We're going to have more with Steve because he's got a wealth of knowledge. We're just tip of the iceberg here. I think we're going to really learn a lot more things. And again, this is all related to financial planning because we're talking finance because we're talking retirement. These things are really important. And that's why I'm trying to bring in the experts here. Steve, thanks again. And we'll catch you. Um, Pretty soon. I think I got some questions that I need answering, but we'll get to them. Enjoy the week and we'll catch you next week. The topics on this show are wide ranging, yet relevant to people approaching or living in retirement like me. If there is a topic you want to hear on the show, head to dolphinfinancialgroup.com and contact Dan to request your topic or to share your opinion. Dan Mundo or Dolphin Financial Group are not affiliated or endorsed by Social Security or any government agency. Everything discussed on today's show was for informational purpose only. Since everyone's situation is different, some things may not apply to you. The materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources. We cannot be 100% certain that they are accurate. You should really talk to my dad or someone from Dolphin Financial Group before trying to implement these ideas or strategies.